Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The pandemic put an end to so many things that bring us joy and comfort. Anything that involved crowds with other people stopped without warning. Now organizers of powwows and other events are moving forward. Two well-known powwows are gearing up in Albuquerque. A whole slate of in-person concerts, conferences, and celebrations are scheduled into the future. We'll talk about what's returning to normal and what's changed. That's right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The U.S. Supreme Court declined to intervene Monday in a case over Alaska's authority to regulate off-reservation fishing. The legal fight centered on a Metlakatla man charged with illegally fishing in waters just outside the reservation's marine boundaries. But as KRBD's Eric Stone reports, it's not the end of the line for the tribe's legal efforts to exempt Metlakatla fishermen from state regulations. Metlakatla tribal member John Scudero Jr. was fishing for coho salmon near his home on Annette Island south of Ketchikan when he was picked up by the Coast Guard. He was charged with illegal fishing. Scudero didn't have a permit to fish in state waters outside the boundaries of Alaska's only native reservation. He was convicted and fined $20,000. Scudero took his case to the Alaska Supreme Court. He argued the state didn't have the authority to prevent him from fishing in traditional territory of his tribe. It's part of a long-running dispute between Metlakatla tribal members and state authorities. We've been a fishing tribe for the last 120 years, and... Uh... We continue to fish. The 1891 law that created the Annette Islands Reserve guaranteed the tribe a self-sustaining home. And Metlakatla Indian community members like Scudero argued that the tribe can't sustain itself without fishing in areas near Ketchikan and Prince of Wales Island outside the reservation's boundaries. Michigan State University law professor Matthew Fletcher says Scudero's case is far from the last word. The tribe itself, Metlakatla Indian Community, has a similar case pending in the Federal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which challenges the state's right to regulate tribal members fishing outside the reservation. As a general matter, it is very much a better vehicle to review these questions. State attorneys argued late last year that holding Metlakatla tribal members to the state's fishing permit system is essential to maintaining sustainable wild salmon runs. Fletcher says that case could have far-reaching consequences for tribes in Alaska and up and down the West Coast under the court's jurisdiction. A decision in the tribe's Ninth Circuit case is expected later this year. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Wisconsin has become the latest state to create an Office of Environmental Justice. Chuck Kornbach of Station WUWM reports on what that might mean for Native communities. About 15 states have set up an office or commission focused on ways to protect overburdened communities or communities that face disproportionate exposure to environmental hazards. Wisconsin Democratic Governor Tony Evers has just signed an executive order creating an environmental justice office to advise him, after Republican legislators failed to go along with the idea. Following a signing ceremony at the Indian Community School near Milwaukee, Evers said floods and other problems along waterways have harmed Wisconsin tribes. He says some tribal leaders have responded by creating wetlands and other controls. But Evers says the state has a role, too. We need to help them uh, make sure that their infrastructure is sound and that uh, we can help them keep it that way. 
Jason Dropik is head of school at the Indian Community School and is a member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior, Ojibwe. He says it's good that governors are promising to hear from more diverse voices. As both a tribal member and someone who grew up in an urban American Indian population, we just know that often those perspectives are just left out. Dropik says he's also glad his students got to hear that a state leader is promising to think about future generations. He says he'll believe the promises as long as he sees work to support environmental justice. For National Native News, I'm Chuck Kornbach. The Indian Health Service announced Monday it received $5 million in federal funding to work to eliminate HIV and hepatitis C in Indian country. The funding will support training, infrastructure, and media campaigns. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Gathering of Nations Powwow, a live event taking place April 29th and 30th on the powwow grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, trader's market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at gatheringofnations.com and at the gates. Support by AARP. New help is available for those struggling to afford high-speed Internet. Eligible households can get a discount of up to $75 per month for households on tribal land. Info by texting INTERNET to 22777. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Fancy dancers, jingle dresses, and drum groups are making their way back to the arena as in-person powwows return. This week, the powwow that calls itself the world's largest convenes in Albuquerque for the first time in three years. Public safety measures forced the abrupt closure of the Gathering of Nations powwow, along with every other large public gathering in 2020. The Najoni Days powwow suffered the same fate, but is also resuming this weekend in Albuquerque. Denver March and Crow Fair have already welcomed thousands of visitors to their events. It's clear that despite lingering concerns about COVID-19, Native people are ready to reconvene. We'll hear from those involved in the upcoming events and get their perspective on what's changed in the short term and what we might have to live with from now on when it comes to large public gatherings. As always, listeners are more than welcome to chime in. Join us by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Share your stories from the P-Dub. On our show today, we have a couple of student leaders that we're going to start with. Joining us live in the studio in Albuquerque, New Mexico, we have Shanoa Scipio. She is the co-president of Kiva Club at the University of New Mexico. She is Dene and Santa Clara Pueblo. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Shanoa. Thank you for having me. Also live in our Albuquerque studio is Alicia Gallegos. She is the secretary of the Kiva Club at UNM. She is Acoma, Laguna, and Dene. Welcome back to Native America Calling. Alicia, we had you here in the studio last fall. Yeah, hi, Sean. It's nice to be back. 
Well, it's great to have you back. And when we had you in the studio in the fall, we were talking about a really cool student-led health careers program at UNM. But today we are talking powwows and Nijoni Days at UNM. I also want to note that Nijoni Days is celebrating its 65th anniversary. So congratulations to you both, as well as all Kiva Club members, both past and present. Shanoa, give us some background. Please tell us more about Nijoni Days. Um, so Nijoni Days is, you know, supposed to be this week-long um, sort of happenings on campus, you know, where we bring light to not only, like, Native issues um, here in Albuquerque or around the country, but we also try to um, be as inclusive as we can to educate our non-Indigenous uh, classmates or professors um, at the university. And so we thought it was important this year to really bring back those traditions um, because when I started going to UNM, you know, a couple years ago, there was really no feel of, like, Najoni days and, you know, looking at the past, like, pictures and, you know, like, social media posts and everything. You could see that it has, like, this really, like, community feel to it and that's what's supposed to lead up to the powwow so we thought it was very important this year to bring it back you know if we're bringing back the powwow we need to bring back Nijoni Days. Absolutely and what all does Nijoni Days feature there on campus? Um, So it ranges um, from year to year Uh, but for this year we thought it was very fitting to start off the week with a book talk uh, with one of the professors in American Studies he wrote a book um, about one of like the most influential Kiva Club leaders, um, Larry Kasus. And so we thought it was important to start off this week strong uh, with him as kind of our um, our theme, or not theme, but like our um, inspiration for the theme this year. And so uh, we invited, you know, his family members and the author to kind of give a history about like his legacy and all that so that happened yesterday um and then a couple of things that we got going on this week um include like a basketball and volleyball tournament um we will be co-hosting the viola f cordova symposium which is very important in like native american studies american indian studies um and we will also have you know an environmental justice film screening Uh, with members of the Greater Chaco Coalition. So we have like a variety of different things going on this year. Um, But again, they do change like year to year, so they won't be the same exact things happening next year. Yeah, it sounds like just a full slate of of really cool presentations and activities. And you mentioned the late Larry Casus, a UNM student leader and activist who tragically lost his life in the early 1970s. So it's wonderful that you bring in some of that historical perspective as well. Alicia, what are your thoughts? Are you excited for the powwow too? Yeah, I'm definitely excited for the powwow because um, honestly, I've never been to one. (laughs) (laughs) Except for like maybe this weekend I went to check out the one at Rio Rancho High School for a little bit. But like other than that, I've never really experienced like powwow life (laughs) kind of thing. So I'm really excited to see how this all plays out and just see the community come together again. Well, Alicia, rest easy because you are not the first Pueblo person to say that I've never been to a powwow before. In fact, this, I'm really excited that that you folks are on the show today and we're talking about Nijoni Days because this is actually an, a, a topic that strikes really close 
to home for me because um, interesting little factoid here. My parents were actually students at UNM during the late 1950s, and they were involved in those very early days of Kiva Club. In fact, my dad was one of the first presidents of the Kiva Club. And there's this story about when they were getting ready to set up for Najoni days, he and his he had a really good friend, the late Bill Sunrise, who was a big powwow figure himself in later years. They were tasked with setting up a teepee there on the old Johnson Field. And they were absolutely clueless. These two Pueblo kids trying to figure out how to keep this teepee from collapsing. And they were just having a heck of a time. Just they had no clue what they were doing. But I guess they finally figured it out after a few hours. So, yeah, I'm glad you're, you're finally going to have a chance, uh, Alicia, to go to a powwow and check it out firsthand. So what is the schedule for the powwow? When does it start? Um, so we plan on starting around 12-ish, and that's just out of respect for our head gourd dancer. He did request that um, because in his, you know, his traditions and his cultures. So we're going to be starting around 12, uh, a grand entry around 1, um, and then we have a couple of different specials um, lined up for, our, you know, our head staff and other community organizations who wanted to, like, sponsor dances or sponsor specials. Um, and then we will continue with the community feed at around 5, 5.30-ish um, and kind of, you know, see where things go from there. Okay. Now, what day of the week will all this start? Or the powwow? Uh, the powwow will be next Sunday on May 1st. Next Sunday. So after Gathering of Nations wraps up for people that still that still want that powwow going on and are kind of having the withdrawals from gathering, they can just head on over to UNM and check out Najoni Days, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. And um, I think what's, you know, like the tradition of Najoni Days powwow is that we keep it kind of like traditional. I want to say kind of. It is like traditional. So it's out there in the open air, on the grass, um, and it's free. All of our events this week are free for the community, free for students, faculty, staff, you know, whomever is interested in coming. Well, it's just great to hear about this. And Shanoa, was there any hesitation at all about doing Najoni Days this year with the pandemic and everything? Oh, of course. So a uh, fun little fact about me, I guess, is that I'm actually studying uh, population health or public health at UNM. And so um starting my public health career during a pandemic and then also like kind of like having this background of a little bit of epidemiology and trying to like study the disease and here and there, you know, seeing like the rates um, of all of this, like it definitely was like hard to say whether or not we were going to move forward with the powwow, especially last semester. But I think as, you know, more things cleared up and a lot of the studies are saying, you know, um, well, for Native people especially, I feel like most of us are vaccinated and we do take it seriously. Um, it was, you know, kind of that green light to say, okay, like, we feel like it'll be a safe event for our community members to attend um, as well as ourselves. But we will um, highly encourage masks, even though it is outdoors, you know, you never really know. So... Okay. Yeah. It sounds like that's the smart, safe way to do it. And what about other students, other Kiva Club members there on campus? Are people excited this year? 
Um, I think so. So we got like a lot of inquiries right at the beginning of the semester, like, hey, is the powwow still happening? You know, what's the word on it? Uh, we even had a lot of our old, uh, not old, <laughs> our Kiva Club <laughs> alumni, you know, attend one meeting and kind of help us get the ball rolling on all of this like planning process. And so um, I think the word has really spread throughout campus. And, you know, I have people who I don't even know, never seen a day in my life on campus, like, hey, are you... Um, you're a part of the Kiva Club, right? Like, is the powwow still happening? Is it, where is it going to be at? What time does it start at? So, um, yeah, I think a lot of students are excited. Yeah, and then, like, not only that, but we're also, like, partnering with a lot of student organizations. So we're really, like, working hard to get the word out there and also partner with different types of organizations like um, American Indian Student Services, uh, UNM LEAF, which is... I don't know what the acronym was for, but I know it's an environmental justice group. And um, yeah, they're just all really excited to help us put these events on and help us during the day of the powwow. Alicia, where can listeners go to learn more about Kiva Club and the Joni Days? You guys have a website? Um, we don't have a website. However, we are very active on social media. We post, we've been posting for the past couple of weeks Um in preparation for Nijoni Days. So definitely give us a follow on Instagram at UNM Kiva Club, as well as Facebook, UNM Kiva Club. We post um, we post the flyers for all the events, as well as like what the event looked like that day. Because yesterday we did post some performances we had at our um, Larry Casus book reading, which was really nice. Okay. Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show today, giving us all this background and good luck with Nijoni Days this year. I know you're going to have great turnout, so I'm, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. Listeners, we're talking about some big events coming up this week here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's powwow time once again, in person, Gathering of Nations, Nijoni Days. It's all going on. And if you've got questions or comments, give us a call. 1-800-996- 2848. We're going to be back right after this short break. It's taken years, but agriculture experts with the Catawba tribe are bringing back a variety of corn that has a strong historical and cultural connection. And new requirements for labeling the origin of beef could actually help Native producers. We'll learn about that and more on the next Native America Calling. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com. Thanks for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Are you back on the Powell Trail? Or maybe you're still a little nervous about large gatherings. As summer nears, the opportunities for public get-togethers are increasing, and at least two major events are resuming this week in Albuquerque for the first time in two years. Get in on our discussion today about coming together despite health concerns. Call us at 1-800-996-2848, one 800 996 996-2848. Producers are standing by to take your calls. 
Let's talk to another guest on today's show. Joining us from the powwow trail is Dennis Bowen. He is a veteran powwow MC. He's also a member of the Seneca Nation, and he is en route as we speak to Albuquerque. He is somewhere in the middle of Missouri on the road. Dennis, welcome back to Native America Calling. Good morning, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Dennis, and I just want to tell you how, how grateful I am that you can join us today. And you have been an MC at Gathering for as long as I can remember. I have seen you and heard you at Gathering. How many years has it been? Um, I, I don't know how many years, 35, 36 years. Uh, Derek would tell us the exact number of years, but we've had some fantastic leadership um, Alan Neskai, Sammy Takiai White, uh, a lot of elders have come out from all, all across Turtle Island to be at the gathering. So it's a listening post for leadership and then to sing and dance. It's a great, great history. It certainly is. And, and you go back almost to the beginning, almost to 1983 when it all started 39 years ago. Dennis, what's it like being back on the road, being out emceeing again? We're, we're so anxious. Um, Alita and myself, we've been counting the days, basically. We didn't sleep the last two nights. I'm exaggerating, but we're very anxious to see thousands of friends. Um, you know, one of the things of uh, a gathering, any powwow, is that you acknowledge families and friends, the friendship that exists. And so a lot of acknowledgement will go on this weekend, uh, especially with the singers and dancers. So we're, we're anxious to, to be there and to see all of our beautiful people. I think we're all anxious, really excited. And I know, Dennis, you've done a lot of virtual events over the last couple of years. And of course, you know, you've done, been doing live events for years. And, and I'm curious, the virtual powwows, do they have any advantages uh, beyond the obvious public health benefits of just social distancing and, and whatnot? Yeah, there's a psychological healthiness with the virtual powwow that um, Derek and Lita um, Put together and in the virtual powwow it's another acknowledgement that covid it did so much damage to isolate the human being the human family the community the nation and so in that isolation a lot of our singers and dancers they have so much to share and give but they had to stay home no live events and so the virtual powwow was an opportunity to acknowledge our singers and dancers and that's what we did with the virtual gathering of nations event and um, it's important in any anything to to tell the people that we know you're out there at home and one day we'll be back together we hope it's soon so yeah the virtual event it was uh, a good medicine it really was, and it, it never ceases to amaze me that we now live in a time when we have the technology to still connect in the midst of a pandemic like that and be able to do these events virtually and still communicate with Facebook and Zoom and all this stuff. So, Dennis, what do you think would have happened had we had a pandemic like this 20 or 30 years ago before we had social media, before we had internet and, and, and conference calling, video conferences and all that stuff. How as Native people, how do you think we would have endured that? 
we would have suffered. Um, COVID killed our people all across Turtle Island. Um, the um, what was called the Spanish flu, when actually it was a worldwide epidemic that began in Nebraska in 1919 that killed millions of people. My dad remembers in 1926, there was another um, pandemic that was coming across Turtle Island. And my dad was six years old. He was born in 1922. And he said the elders of the community came and in Seneca, they talked to every house. They said, stay home for two weeks and then we'll come back in two weeks. We'll tell you if it's okay to come out. Our, our leadership have always helped us to be safe. And my dad told me that story. And so this COVID-19 is not the first pandemic or epidemic, you know, epidemic on a less um, deadly international uh, situation like COVID is now around all around Mother Earth and that our leadership have always looked out for us and our medicine people, our elders, and and um, so we have experience with pandemics before COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, long, long, sad history, unfortunately. Dennis, for someone who spends a lot of time speaking in public like myself, I've always been very impressed by powwow MCs such as yourself. Your knowledge, experience, that quick wit that all the MCs have. What does it take to be a great powwow MC, Dennis? You you begin by being a listener. Listening is a traditional teaching uh, uh, a tra traditional uh, thought. And so to be a listener is the entry to helping your people as a speaker. And early on, and I'm sure with with the guests that we'll have, um, you know, Whitney's going to come on soon. We all had elders, old timers who talked to us. And there were old timers who said, you're going to be in this situation in the circle. This is how you explain it. This is how you you support the people. This is how you talk. And so as a young person, those teachers, they talked that way and prepared me. And so um, there's it's important to acknowledge the, the MCs that helped us younger MCs. And that's why I mentioned uh, Sammy Tonkiai White, um, the late Alan Neskai, uh, these MCs in the Southwest, uh, Ruben Snake, these MCs um, in the Southwest uh, were so important. And then Tonkiai from Oklahoma, and then you go up to South Dakota, uh, there are some of the MCs up there uh, that that led some of us young guys back in the late 60s, early 70s. And so, yeah, we, we've had a lot of teachers and we honor them. We acknowledge them too. So it, it's a classroom that we all go through <laughs> in public. <laughs> classroom. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for mentioning all those names, just kind of a who's who of Powell M. Sears. And you mentioned being a good listener. And I really appreciate that, Dennis, those insights and, and that humility you share. Because even though I think so many of us think of 
Power MC is being big, loud, and in charge behind the mic. It all starts with being a good listener. That's the key. So, Dennis, we're going to talk some more, but you mentioned Whitney, uh, our next guest. So let's go ahead and bring Whitney Rencounter into the conversation now. He's joining us from Rapid City, South Dakota. He is the co-founder of the Social Distance Powwow and the Associate Director of Indian University of North America. He is Crow Creek Sioux. Whitney, welcome back to Native America Calling. Hey, it's such an honor to be on this show, uh, you know, with uh, each of you and uh, really excited uh, that Powell's are back. Absolutely. And it is a privilege to have you on this show as well as in addition to all of our guests today. And Whitney, last time you were here, we were up to our necks in the pandemic and you helped start the social distance powwow on Facebook. Is that still active? Yes. Uh, we just crossed uh, 300,000 people and 100 countries worldwide in our in our short two years but uh you know as uh the, the well-respected dennis bowen made mention you know the virtual gatherings were such an important part of helping our people through this pandemic and you know and, and now that we're getting out of the pandemic we're planning to launch our national uh yearly annual powwow uh, even though it's social distance powwow, we're still going to have the name, but we're going to be having an in-person powwow. But along with that, all the events that we go through our team, all the events that we attend will be streaming live to the page. So it's going to continue into the future. So it sounds like streaming powwows live, even in-person powwows, that's one of these cool things that we learned in the pandemic. And I would imagine that's not going away, right? Going forward, we're just that's always going to be an option. Even if you can't make it to the powwow in person, you can watch the live stream, right? Absolutely. We we got so many messages from elders and folks who cannot travel, whether it's a terminal illness or they're going through some challenging times and not able to travel to a lot of these places. They really, really asked us if we could continue to to stream these powwows. And, and even a lot of our members, when they're at these powwows, they will stream. For instance, I was emceeing the University of Oklahoma powwow this past weekend, and I was streaming live from there while I was emceeing. And then our other co-founder, Dan Simons, was streaming live from MSU, or uh, from Missoula, Montana, from that uh, powwow there. And so, uh, you know, it's going to continue into the future. And I think the people really enjoy seeing all the different powwows. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to do that into the future. Well, folks, if you've got a question or a comment, again, we're talking powwows today, 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. If you've got a powwow or an event that you want to talk about, give us a call. We'll get it on the air. Whitney, this powwow that you just mentioned that's coming up in person, what are the dates on that? Well, actually, it was the University of Oklahoma powwow that, that just happened this past weekend. And then the weekend after gathering, I'll be flying down to the or for uh, the Lummi Nation of North Carolina powwow. They invited as an MC the uh, May 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Lummi Nation in North Carolina. So really excited uh, for that one. And then the second week in May, the 14th, I'll be at the University of Denver. And then the last weekend in May, I'll be at Four Bears Casino Powwow as an MC. So, man, I'm just like Dennis, we're really excited that these events are starting to kick back up. You folks sure do get around powwow MCs. Whitney, what's the farthest you've ever traveled for a powwow? Well, uh, this past uh, March, I was blessed to be invited to MC at the University of Hawaii. And uh, we had the round dance in paradise. And 
the folks got to tune in via social distance powwow. They were able to enjoy, watch us along the trip here uh, that we took, my family and I, and we had Opie Day and Desiree Denemi Den- Den- from uh, Midnight Express as invited singers, and then Dallas Bosca Hat and Fawn Wood from Cree Confederation who are invited to the Gathering of Nations. They were also the invited singers as well. So we took our families over there, and, man, we enjoyed our trip in Hawaii. But the drum and then the announcing table takes us all over the world. I'll bet you did enjoy that trip. That's just too cool. Dennis, how about you? Farthest you've ever traveled for a powwow? Well, I guess I could follow uh, Whitney around. Um, Alita and I went to Hawaii, to Oahu, and we announced over there part of a education association conference and powwow and uh, we've um we've been up uh further uh, northwest would be Cam- kamlupa kamloops uh bc but um the traveling part is uh a beautiful education the people that we meet and the hospitality between nations and uh, you know it's it's a good way of life and uh, we're very thankful for that, and especially safe travel. You know, <laughs> uh, it's a yeah. lot going uh, 75 <laughs> miles an hour in a rainstorm with semi trucks like we did yesterday. I mean, it's it's scary <laughs> sometimes. We, we want to get off the road. It was just, hey, we're old folks. We we're not supposed to be out here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah. Travel great. Safe travel. Safe travel is the key, especially with some of the weather we've had all over the U.S. this past week. There were really bad windstorms there in the southwest. So, Dennis, please travel safely. We have another guest on our show today. He is here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Derek Matthews, the founder and director for The Gathering of Nations. Derek, welcome back to Native America Calling. So glad to to have you on the show. All right. Thank you. Derek, you've got to be excited. GON back after a two-year hiatus, final countdown less than three days away. What are you feeling? Feeling excited, nervous, anxious, um, and in a good way. We've done our homework. We really began looking forward to this day two years ago. From the day we were shut down, uh, we immediately began planning and making that way back. And we kind of had a feeling that when the pandemic was announced on March 13th and we were the first in the country shut down of major events of any kind, uh, by that evening, we kind of had a feeling that 2021 was not going to really be happening for us. And uh, that's really, we just kept plugging away and keeping the light on, trying to get back here to this very weekend that's coming up. Was there any doubt that you might not be able to pull it off and have to wait another year to have the powwow in person? Um, no, I never had that that thought, really and truly. Um, just following the sentiment, the temperament, the science, and the politics, uh, we kind of felt that this was going to be the year. And we felt that if we did have to wait another year, there may or may not have been any more. And, and that's, that's the same way I think that we feel about traditional ceremonies and events and, and even social events is that after a while they lose their, their spark. They lose that something very special. And it's really very, very hard to reclaim that again. So we worked really, really hard over the uh, past two years to, like I say, keep that light on. 
Derek, are you telling us that had we had to wait one more year for Gathering of Nations, that that might have been it, and you might have just had to stop the powwow, just end it right then and there forever? Well, I, I wouldn't have to say it was a definite, but that is a definitely a, a question mark in the back of your mind. Uh, Gathering of Nations is not like any other powwow that anyone could ever imagine. This is a super, on any any event scale, a humongous event. And it takes a lot to put this together, um, it, and it's very expensive. And so with that, when people are saying, well, when the pandemic first hit, well, can you think you'd be able to bring it up in July? And we says, no, it's, it's, it takes time. It, it takes a lot of work. It takes patience. It takes organization that takes a lot of time to really get together. When, when gathering happened every year, year after year, a couple of days after the event was over and we caught our breath, we were already planning for the next year. And wow. our experience requires that to be the way that it is. You just can't bring it on. This is more than okay. a table in a room or a table in a field and you bring it on the dance Derek, and the singers I'm, and the an announcer and so on. You know? I'm sorry to, Derek, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We do have to take a short break and I know your time is limited. You're gearing up for the power, but can you stick around through the next break and, and continue talking with us for a few more minutes? I'll be here. Awesome. We're just going to take a short break and we're talking with Derek Matthews, Gathering a Nation's Power. Coming right back at you. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strongheart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Stronghearts Native Helpline. You're tuned in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Still lots of time to call in to share your thoughts about resuming in-person powwows and other events. So please call us 1-800-996-2848. We're speaking with Derek Matthews, founder of Gathering of Nations. And Derek, before break, you were telling us about just what it takes to, to get gathering up and going and, and some of the challenges with the pandemic. And, and I'm curious about Gathering of Nations, just the overall brand. It's such a a prolific uh, event all over Native America, North America, Canada. Has the brand suffered at all, uh, having been on hiatus like this, since you're so connected to live gatherings? I don't think so. I think that we were able to, uh, like I was saying, keep the light on. We did a lot of different things. The gathering, when, it, when, when we have had other issues and things, the people have responded. It's it's a conversation. It's the talk of the the day. The talk at other powwows, and so we we began doing things that we felt would help to keep, like you say, that brand alive. We uh, ran virtual events. We ran throughout the summer um, streamed uh, recordings of gathering of nations from many years back, and so we did a lot of things. We even invented social dance parties, just regular old. DJ and music and for Halloween and New Year's Eve and people from all over the world, all over Indian country, uh, some were out at campsites and dancing and having a good time. One of the things that we really try to do and we feel a responsibility to is a keeper of culture, a preservation of culture and language. And seeing how the pandemic was really striking those elders and seniors and culture keepers that we tried to inspire through our radio shows and through the various videos and different things 
And I think that we, we kept that alive. Every so many weeks or months, we had something going on. And from last September forward, we continuously said, next year, next year, next year. And so we were in gear. We were not going to let that happen. But like I said earlier, I think that another year would have worn thin on not just the Gathering of Nations, but many, many other powwows. I've seen instances where we were seeing what powwows were coming back, and some of them on their websites had said that they were done permanently. And mm -hmm. some of them we thought were pretty large, like up in Canada and different places. So the, the work was, we never stopped working. We uh, just changed a little bit and kept it going. We had to do that not only for Indian country, for the gathering, but personally for ourselves. Um, okay. And we became like a central clearing place. And as people were passing away and suffering with COVID, we were hearing about that. We were absorbing that. And that made our mission all the more important to try and recover and bring the people back together again. Okay. And Derek, I just have one more quick question for you. You know, you started GON back in 1983. That's been almost 40 years. You have been in the saddle a long time. So I got to ask you, any plans to retire? Uh, no, I, uh, I've got a very good friend, Wynton Marsalis. And Wynton Marsalis is a hardworking individual, works all the time. And he said the day that he stops working, the day that he finds time to rest or the time to retire, this may be that day that he passes on, and uh, I hope that doesn't happen any too soon. But no, uh, the energy's there. We're still going. I uh, don't find any reason at this point to consider that to be a possibility. Um, for now, right. everyone can feel that we're going to be here. Just come on out and enjoy what we've got going. This is going to be a great weekend. All right. Well, thank you so much, Derek. And again, build it and they will come. We've got a caller on the line listening on KOGB in Red Lake, Minnesota. Gordon, Gordon, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for having me on. I just wanted to uh, tell Dennis uh, congratulations on still being uh, doing what you're doing. It's such a great thing. I met you in Arizona a few times. I used to be at Simon Toya's dance group and when you would MC and uh, Ralph Zotai be singing. And I just wanted to uh, say I'm glad to hear that you're still at it. And I'm pretty proud of you that you can live stream. Us old guys, we don't really know how to do a lot of that stuff. So I really wanted to say thank you. And to Derek, Derek, Keep up the good work. You're a damn good man. And I love what you just said about you and your buddy and work until you're done. And I hope everything keeps going. I'm glad that it's back and it makes me, gives me strength way up here in the North Woods of you guys putting that on down there. I've been at it many, many times. And thank you both again for being who you are. Gordon, thank you so much for calling with those warm words. And Dennis, do you want to respond to, to Gordon there in Red Lake, Minnesota? Yahweh, Gordon, Yahweh, Scano, it's good to hear these messages and um, just supporting what Derek told us. Uh, their their daughter is an important part of the team, and so when um, Derek and Lita are busy up on the MC stand, um, their daughter is a great leader. She's organized, and, you know, she is part of this strength too. We thank and honor her for um, making this work real smooth too. And so I just want to give a shout out to, to her as well. Uh, but thank you, Gordon. And um, 
You know, I hope the ice thawed out and the walleye start biting. So good to hear you. <laughs> All right. Those walleyes will start biting soon enough. We've got another caller on the line, Michael, listening on KUNM in Jemez Pueblo right here in New Mexico. Michael, thanks for calling in. You're on the air. Hey, this is the last caller. I guess, uh, I'm uh, uh, Simon Toya's uh, nephew. Simon Toya and Ada Toya, both my uncle and aunt. And uh, just an off- offshoot, uh, their son, uh, Stephen Toya, he's, he's, he started the Southern Slam, and his daughter is running for Miss Indian World this year. And uh, and uh, we were, pr- were proud of them. But the reason I called was because uh, I uh, knew Ellen Neskai and the Neskai family really well because I went to school at Fort Lewis College. At that time, the White Eagle Drum, which I belonged to, was uh, out of uh, out of uh, Fort Lewis College, and we actually got uh, we actually got credit for singing on that on that drum. It was pretty good. And uh, and once in a while, you know, it, it's a invited uh, uh, drum guest drum at the Gather Nations. The year that Lori Piesta had passed away, uh, we were we were there on the floor and uh, Derek asked the drum to come up with an honor song for Lori Piestua. So it was a collaboration of, of Arlie Neskai and Jay Begay and Art Cleveland. They, they whipped up that song, Lickety Split, and it, it's a very, very good, special song. And and uh, it's, it's it's nothing like, it's, it's, it's grand to be sitting on the floor of the Gathering Nation and belting out the songs. You know, it's just awesome. Just looking around and everybody cheering. And then when they have, when they have the eagle, they bring out the, the bald eagle. Uh, the whole place goes ecstatic because, you know, the eagle is, is so spiritual among us natives. That's all I have sure. to say. And thanks a lot again for having it, Derek. You bet, Michael. Thanks for coming on and sharing those thoughts. And I know a strong, strong powwow tradition there at Jemez Pueblo, as you mentioned. We've got another caller on the line, Lynette listening in Anchorage, Alaska on KNBA. Lynette, you're on the air. Good morning, Sean. Yes, I am Clinkett, and in southeast Alaska, in Juneau, from June 8th to the 11th, it's always in the even-numbered years, we haven't had celebration, it's called, and anywhere from 35 to 50 dance groups from all over southeast and some of them come from Canada, a dance group. But this year, the Wrangell Dance Group will be the lead dance group. And not only do they have um, the dance groups performing, but they also have different programs. And that happens only usually the first or second week of June on the even-numbered years. And we are so excited. Although they had to cut, they had to drop out the the native fashion review, and they don't have the food vendors that they usually have because of COVID. Um, but all the other programs are still available. If you just go to the Alaska Celebration 2022 website, you'll see it, and it's very fantastic. Um, not only does a lead dance group perform, they they uh, lead in everybody and they go into the street in Juneau and they um, they have a, a route that they follow. Usually it's, uh, I would say, under a mile long. And then they also have the dance groups performing at different areas, different uh, venues. Mm-hmm. And 
and during that time, it is the Clinket, the Haida, the Simpson dance groups, and sometimes okay. they're a combination. Our dance gotcha. group is the Nalu Disquayaki, and okay, we are Lynette. made up of not only... All right. Wonderful, Lynette. And I'm sorry, we, we are running a little short on time, but I, I really appreciate those insights and those updates for powwows coming up there in Anchorage and that one you mentioned in person in Juneau in June. And I want to ask Derek, earlier we had Michael from Hamas Pueblo calling in, and he mentioned how uh, the eagle, uh, bringing the eagle out during grand entry, and that's something that is only possible now that you are in Expo New Mexico. Some of these new um, activities that are associated with Gathering of Nations now, the, the horse contest, horse and rider contest, the eagle, the uh, inside the arena. And I know a few years ago when Gathering of Nations switched venues and you left the UNM arena, also known as the pit, you moved to Expo New Mexico. Um, you know, I talk to people and they say there are pros and cons to that. And, and definitely some of the pros are like some of these new cool events that you're able to offer to the public. So what's your take on that, Derek? Well, size-wise, as far as one building, one stadium, yes, we lost a few thousand seats, but we uh, inherited about 75 acres of property to expand. And now we do not have, we have a capacity limit on inside Kingley Coliseum, but in our, foot, our powwow footprint, uh, we are limitless on how many people can attend. It's given us the opportunity to have a lot of different features. We have uh, teepee villages. We've got the world's largest teepee structure. Like you mentioned, we've got the birds of prey. We've got the horse parade, which is each day at 4 o'clock. So many different things. And one of the greatest things that happened here was we had people that understand putting on events, and they work with us tirelessly night and day. They've really become part of our crew. They're, you hear all this noise behind me. That's their tractor trailers. That's our deliveries. There's so many different things happening. And they're helping us. They really work with us. At UNM, we got no help whatsoever, and they just didn't understand what other cultural events were. For a university, they had no idea what was really in the palm of their hand that they didn't have to research or go out and find. Over here, they're so welcoming. We've expanded in so many ways. I can't even begin to discuss it, but it's been great. And the drawbacks is a little smaller, but the dancers like it. We got a bigger dance floor. We could get all the dancers on the floor at one time. We couldn't do that before. It's like I say, we're very happy to be here, and they are, are talking about extending contracts and all kinds of things. And it, it, I can't say enough about Expo New Mexico and their team, Dan Morning and Sabrina and all the others that are here. So we're just happy for that. Okay. All right. Well, Gathering of Nations coming up this week. And speaking of events, Derek was talking about what goes into planning it. And let's hear from our student leaders on the show in studio today. Again, we have Shanoa Scipio and Alicia Gallegos. And Shanoa, I want to ask you, as a young person, um, any Native youth listening to our show today who are just interested now and excited to hear about these events that you've organized there on UNM campus, Najoni Days, what words of advice can you offer a young person who just wants to get started organizing big events like powwows and other activities all with a native focus? Um, I would say definitely seek out a mentor or an advisor. So we've had incredible support from um, some of the faculty advisors that we have for Kiva Club about um, you know, like their perspectives on planning and, you know, because they are, you know, a little bit older, um, they have connections in 
these like different places and so that's definitely been a plus um but i also would say like don't be afraid to take risks and you know planning large events it seems like so overwhelming um while you're in the process but you know as we're getting closer and closer all that nervousness is kind of turning into excitement and so now we're just like ready to go and um like have all of our plans you know come to life and alicia how about you what has been the funnest part about organizing nijoni days this year for you um i would say the funnest part is definitely working closely with my friends during the process um, just because we're all part of Kiva Club, um, I feel like this is something that we all got to like kind of bond over, even though it does get stressful at times. We're like there together and like we can just like crack jokes if it's like 12 a.m. trying to get some more sponsors. <laughs> we'll just crack some jokes and everything will feel OK. And just having that um, support is really is really helpful and like encouraging that this will actually turn out to be a really beautiful event. Alicia, are, is your family involved? Are they supporting you on this? Are they gonna be at Nijoni Days as well? Yeah, I've definitely been spreading the word to my family like since I even like, we got the dates for the powwows. Like we're gonna have this powwow and I'm helping um, with the coordination and the of the whole thing. And then my family has also like been really helpful in helping donate some items for some of our guests um, as well as like Shanoa's family and our other co-president Kiara they're all contributing like either food donations I know there'll be some helping us run our fry bread stand so just know we're gonna have some Indian tacos there <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds really good Shanoa do you have enough people to work that Indian taco stand there at Nijoni Days yeah, I believe so. So it's really interesting um, that my family will be the ones like putting all the food vendor stuff together. So big shout out to them for helping me um, and being so willing, you know, to contribute to our event. Can't do it without family, huh? For sure. Well, Folks, I feel like if we had another hour to do this show, we still wouldn't have enough time with all of the callers, the great guests. But unfortunately, it is that time when we have to wrap up. So big, big thanks to my guests today, Dennis Bowen, Derek Matthews, Whitney Rencounter, Shanoa Scipio, and Alicia Gallegos for updates and insights from Pow Wow Season 2022. We invite you back here tomorrow for our regular show on native food and food sovereignty. Host Andy Murphy lets us know about labeling beef and rematriating a native strain of corn. I'm Sean Spruce. Thank you for listening. COPD, which makes it harder and harder for me to breathe. I have a tip for you. If your doctor gives you five years to live, spend it talking with your grandchildren. 
explain to him that your grandpa's not going to be around anymore to share his wisdom and his love. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I'm running out of time. COPD makes it harder and harder to breathe and can cause death. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. CMS programs are available to help manage diabetics in your community. Enroll today. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.